Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey model association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. All right. I think we're on. on. Uh, Welcome, everyone, to episode number four of Inside the Junior Reign, where we give you an inside look on what goes into uh, delivering on our mission to train and transform our youth for a better future. I am your host uh, and club president, Ben Frank. And with me, as always, I have our chief of hockey operations, Paul Esdell. Paul, say, say hello to everyone. Hey, guys. And, how are you doing? Uh, uh, and today, we're talking about practice. Practice? We're talking about practice today. And uh, the importance of it and how things might be different with a youth, uh, youth sports program versus professional practices and what that looks like. But before we get into that, uh, as always, if you could please, we're, we're experimenting today with a new platform here. We, we didn't, we apologize to everyone. We didn't get on uh, Monday's call, at, uh, Monday's uh, show at two o'clock because of the fires on the freeway. I actually got stuck on the road for about three hours. I couldn't make it in on time. So we're, we're experimenting with this new platform over the computers today to make sure we get our weekly show in. While you're watching, whether it is live or on the replay, if you could please give us a thumbs up, a hello, let us know you're watching, um, even if you whether you have questions or not. We love the interaction. We really appreciate that. Uh, and again, whether you're watching live or on the replay, uh, go in, ask us your questions, give us your comments and feedback. If it's live on the show, we'll try to answer them right here live on the show. If it's uh, on the re- during the replay, I'll come back and make sure we answer your questions in the comments or on our next show. Um, and again, we really appreciate the interaction uh, that we've had so far with everyone. And if you really uh, like what you hear and you think you might uh, have others, uh, friends and things on Facebook, please share the episode, like and share the episode. Um, we really appreciate it. It's been getting to almost a couple thousand people each week, which is, which is awesome. It's exciting for us. And uh, we love what we do and we love that you guys help us spread the message and interact and share us with your questions. So um, with that being said, let's dive into the show. And um, Paul, why is practice uh, such a big deal for us at the Junior Reign? Well, great question. I think anything skill you need to have a practice to improve. I think that's number one. To learn to get better something you have to do. Um, you know, I wish I had learned something with an NHL power or an American Hockey League player, but that's just not the case. So I think I think that's why it's so critical is that for people to reach their genetic potential, like we talk about genetic potential, um, they, if they have the passion and perseverance to do that, they need to put in the work to get better at something, whether it's in hockey or, or in life and business or whatever you're doing. I think the, the actual grind and the process is what you get, you put in, you'll get the the result that you are striving for. Yeah. So, so obviously in the, in the professional game, right. uh, 
the, res the results uh, of what people are looking, how, what people are evaluating, what people are watching is the games every week. Not many people go and watch the practices and are using the practice as a measure of the success of the coach or of the success of the players of the program. It's all driven on those results uh, on the game that weekend. Um, how specifically, you know, so I think a lot of times we see that like people times we see that might evaluate that's how they think sports are evaluated and um, they're thinking about the games in the youth hockey environment as well as how we what are we how we're actually measuring things and measuring the growth of the players measuring the success you know of the team and the players by those games in the weekend and so how is that different specifically uh, from the from like the pro entertainment model yeah, a couple of points is that at the pro level, you're looking at a finished product of the players. They're 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 still evolving and growing, right? But they're at a way higher level and, and more of a finished product than a youth player. Um, so that's number one because it's you can't they're they're you're, they're not measurable together. They're two different, completely different uh, entities. So when you have a player that's 25, 26, 28 years old, uh, I think 27 or 28 is their peak at their at their ability. They're they're a finished product. And the pro level, they are practicing completely different because of how the schedule and the league is set up and what, how they measure success, right? They're measuring success on wins and losses. So they're, a lot of the practicing is you're not even seeing a lot of the practice um, because they don't, for one, they're not doing a lot of on-ice practice because of the schedule, but in the dress room, off the ice, uh, team meetings, individual meetings, those, that's practice for them. And when they get on the ice, it's a lot of it's... Um, maintenance right it's just kind of going through the motions getting a feel of things maybe running some power play but a lot of it's maintenance and on the flip side the other spec youth hockey it should be the complete opposite right it's we're working with kids from six years old to 18 years old which is a, a it's not a finished product not just as a player but as a person as well so kids are discovering not just what type of player they're going to be, but actually who they're going to be as a person. And there's a lot of variables, and that's the risk. Just measuring um, a youth player or a youth team by the scoreboard is it's just not an accurate measure of success. It's one measurement, but there's a lot of measurements that you should go into that to, to see what success are gaining. Paul, I think we're having... Uh some technical difficulties here you're okay. this part that you're talking is coming through really scrambled um, i wonder if we can reset your okay. how's your internet looking there uh it looks good uh you oh, there were, we go. yeah you, you're, ben you were going off and on too but i just i kept working through it <laughs> okay well all right let's it sounds seems like it sounds good right now let's let's yeah. keep it going so what, what what I got towards the end of that was that I, I actually, and we talk about this a lot, that at the youth levels, that the emphasis should be the opposite, right? And I think we see a lot where, you know, parents who maybe they're just getting their kids into hockey or even kids, they're looking at maybe they're when they're trying to think about which club to play at or et cetera. They may be looking at the standings. They may go watch a game. Oh, that team's good or what, or that team's not good or, or evaluating their kid like, um, okay, they played. They played well in the game this weekend, or they got a lot of playing time, or they played the position they wanted, or or whatever. We talk a, bit, a lot about it, right? If you're if you are if your club is structured in the in the in the appropriate way for player development, which is a three to one practice game ratio, right, from 10, 10 and under up, plus 
off-ice training, two to three hours, two to three sessions of off-ice training as well. We talk all the time about it. Actually, like of the season, the games are, you know, less than less than a fifth or sixth of the, of the actual season um, and of the actual development process, right? So we're evaluating just, if we're only looking at the games, if we're not even we're not paying attention to practice. Maybe the, maybe a parent is just dropping their kid off at practice or missing practices and focusing on the games. Then it's like one sixth of what's actually one sixth or one seventh even of what's actually happening. Yeah, I think if people treated practice like the games and the games like practice, there'd be a lot more success. Um, like we talked, measuring success is not just on the scoreboard at the youth hockey level. There's so many measurements of are they getting better? Are they growing as a person? Are they growing as a player? Are they having fun? You know, are they making friends? Those are all important measurements at, at the youth level. So what do you say to uh, the people that I think you've, you've had kind of an interesting take on if someone's going to say they have extra homework or they have some extra commitments and they say, I'm, okay, I'm going to miss Friday's practice, but I'll be at Saturday's game. What, what, what would be your, your preference for that person? Your, your preference for that person? Yeah, they're verifying they're probably about 10 times the development, right? A, a, an efficient ADM, Amer, American Development Model, USA Hockey Junior Reign practice is you're going to get probably 9, 10, 11 times the development. And that's really the core of how a kid's going to get better. And that's, that's the mindset is right now in the culture, right? It's the entertainment culture that games are more important. Actually, practice is more important for the long term of your growth of your child. Um, and we have a lot more control in practice. And that's the beauty of it. We can control the amount of reps they get. We can control the amount of puck touches they get. We can control the fun, how much fun they have in it. Um, so that, those are, that's, I would say that if you're going to miss something, you don't miss a game if you have to choose. Right. And obviously we know that it's a big commitment to play sports, but the, the importance of practice is, is really underrated. And I think it's something that we typically look at as a, a culture society. Okay, so so we talked so a couple of things. So some people might be really surprised to hear that, right? Like miss a game, that sounds that sounds crazy, right? Um, but so we talked about a couple a couple of things here. We talked about the, the 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 difference in the actual repetitions that are practices compared to games. We talked about the total volume being that that if the program's structured properly, that you're having you know three practices plus office. So it's like really six five or six training sessions compared to a game session each week. So the actual volume of importance of, of growth and development uh, and what makes up your year of practice compared to, to, the, to the amount of games. Um, now let's talk about, so let's, we have just kind of the pure volume. So number of practices compared to games and the amount of say ice time in practice, right? Because we potentially can have all the players on the ice during a practice when in during a game, you only have one line on the ice, right? Um, let's talk about maybe some specifics of practices now. So let's say all things being equal. Let's say that there's a, there's the same the club A has X amount of practices uh, and club B has the same amount of practices uh, or us comparing ourselves to ourselves from this year to next year, trying to get better. Some key things that we want to look at. What are some key considerations um, when designing those practices 
And I think one other thing, just Paul, to me that you could speak on is the preparation and importance of, of preparation for the practices, because I think, um, you know, you've gone are the days where just because we have a qualified coach or things, you kind of just show up and, and figure out what to do and, and, you know, just kind of run the same type of favorite drills and what, the, what actually goes into if practice is so important, what actually goes into the planning of a practice and why that's so important and some of the, the things to consider. Well, yeah, a couple of things to backtrack, Ben, is that if you don't practice, you're not going to get the results in the game and that's number one. And then, you know, if, if people are missing practice and then expect results, um, if they're measuring just the results on the scoreboard, they're not going to get them because they haven't put in the work, right? So I think, I think that's number one to, under, to really understand that. Um, and then, yeah, for, for, for preparation of practice for, for a organization or for a youth club is, I, I think it's, it's depending on how your club's structured, right? As a model club, we're, we're structured differently than a lot of youth organizations. Um, you know, we had USA Hockey come in here last week and they said, you know, um, they said that that's some of the best practices they've seen at that level for, for, for around the country. So, you know, that, that shows that we're on the right track and preparing is critical, right? And that's why we've developed a season curriculum. And that's why we've developed our coaches understanding how they're going to break down the stations and what they're doing, what are the key points and what are the key points of focus depending on the age group and I think that's critical we've talked about that before is making sure it's that exact age appropriate um, for that group and we have to focus on a couple of real key things is one you know are they having fun that's number one even at the you know, older ages they have to be having fun they have to want to come to practice because if they don't come to practice then you've already lost right so it has to be fun they want they have to come to the they have to beg about that to bring the practice. So that's number one. It's got to be, it's got to be fun. It's got to be keep coming back for more and that passion, right? So I think that's critical. Number two is it's got to be relatable. It's got to relate to the game of hockey or some key element or skill that can. So it can't just be some sort of all block practice where they just skate around a cone for 60 minutes, right? Is there room for some technical skill improvement? Sure but it has to be game relatable. That's really critical because if it's not, we can't, in our brain, we can't transfer what we've learned to the next step, right? We will not develop hockey sense. And that's really critical when you're looking at development of players, you know, you, you, you talk about the four key skill groups is number one is, you know, can they skate, um, right? No, that's critical. Number two is, can they, do they compete, right? Number three is, how do they think the game? And number four is their puck skills. And then add on five is life skills, character. So practices need to cover those four or five different things, first of all, because if they're not covering those and they're only covering one or two, then you're not completing a whole player. Um, so that's really important. And that's, some, that's sometimes hard to develop practices like that. And I think it takes years of experience and trial and um, error to figure out what you need to cover. And that's why, you know, the curriculum that we've been able to develop over the last three, four years has been a lifesaver for us because we don't have to guess now. We know we're doing the best thing for long-term athletic development um, because of those, we've covered all those areas. Um, 
so th those are some key points. And the next one is engagement, right? Players have to be engaged in what they're doing. So that starts with the coaches, the energy of the coaches, the excitement of the rank, the feeling when you step on the ice has to be that, that, you know, they're engaged, they're ready to go, they're into it, right? And if you don't have that engagement and that coach's feedback and, and interaction, um, you know, I, I think this is where a kid comes out and he doesn't talk to the coach the whole practice. And, uh, early on, I my coaching career, one of the coaches told me, you know, when I mentored, you should have interaction with each player at least get to everyone. So as a group, we'll make sure there's some sort of positive interaction with our players, um, you know, and feedback and guidance. Those are key. And those are things we continue to strive for. Sorry, I was a mute there. Awesome, Paul. You, said, you mentioned some, uh, some, some key things there. Um, I want to dive into some of them a little bit. Um, so I think a lot of people don't realize you sit, you sit down, you're trying to design practices for a year for you talked about the, the key of being age appropriate for one so now you have different types of practices for the eight and unders different types of practices for the 10 and unders different for the 12 and unders so you're going to sit down and you're going to focus on a particular age group and you're going to start to plan those practices and you have to consider number one you said like you, you could design all these great drills but if it's not fun kids don't want to come to the rink kids start missing practice all the time and, they, and they're not going to try hard it's going to be a disaster right so number one how would i make this practice fun Number two, how do I make it actually game relatable so that we're not just practicing things that are going to make us better in practice? We talk, talk about this called false fundamentals, right? We could we could do the same repetitive drill over and over again. It could it could start to look better and better in practice, but if it doesn't translate to actual results in the game, and what's the point of it, right? It, maybe practice looks great, but but it doesn't make them better players in the game, which is what ultimately we're, we're trying to do. Um, and then. Uh, Number three, and there's more here. There's more here, but in, in, in number three, we talk about engagement, right? You talked about the interaction with each with each with each player, and that can be challenging when you have, like I said, a lot of kids on the ice, different different uh, from different teams and things. So you have to plan out the staffing. You have to plan out the the structure of which of which drills, and, and then talk to us a little bit about efficiency and activity rates because uh, we didn't even get to that yet, um, and we, we talk about this all the time. Uh, there was comments in some of our past uh, interviews or past shows about the costs of, of ice hockey and the cost of ice per hour. And, um, and so this also, we didn't get to this yet, how important practice is because maybe in basketball, kids could go outside and, and practice drills on their own and, 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 and do dribble drills and shooting drills as much as they want outside. But in ice, in ice hockey, we only have so much time on the ice every, every week for these kids and, and really maximizing and getting every squeezing every last drop of development out of that hour and having that in mind when you're planning that practice, uh, maybe speak to that a little bit about how you, how you work on that efficiency. Well, well, let's talk about the science of, of learning and development. I think that's number one, the windows of trainability, right? If we don't know our windows of trainability, if we don't know what age groups are open to what capacities to learn and we're training the wrong physical capacities and cognitive capacities, then we're not going to be developing our kids the full potential. So that's like number one, but that's the biggest one of all that. It's still really new to people and really people aren't even understanding or really knowing that. 
I think that's that's the key. So if you don't, if you don't have that background and that you haven't researched that and studied that and don't have guidance from um, what you would say hockey that we've been on a lot for that stuff is you're missing out on a whole bunch of doing the right thing on the ice. So that's if you need to start with that. And once you understand that, that can guide you on how you develop your practices. Um, I think that that's really important to use that first. Um, so when you're looking at the eight, oh, eight oh, simple example, oh, go ahead. Oh, real quick, real quick, uh, it broke up for a second. Sure. Windows of Trainability Park, can you talk about that again, the Windows of Trainability? Of how people learn and develop and kids develop. Uh, then you're you're completely missing the boat on practice, right? So you have to know your windows of trainability. You have to understand what physical capacities and cognitive capacities of what age group can learn when. So if you're not doing that, uh, you're you're missing out on everything, right? If we're doing um, professional drills for seven-year-olds, we're not going to maximize their potential. We're going to actually hurt their development. And we're going to stunt their development. And that's why we see a lot of average hockey players when they get older, because they missed out on those critical windows of trainability at the younger ages. And it's really, once you miss those windows, it's extremely hard to get back. And that's number one. You have to understand the science behind that and take time to study that and learn that to develop a good practice. So how does that look different, Paul? Like, how does an eight and under practice look different than, than say, a, a college or a pro practice? Sure. sure. So, so first of all, eight and under is a great one to start with um, because it first you have to get the size right. Um, you know, eight and under players are practicing on a NHL size rink, two hundred feet by eighty-five. Um, but a you know a seven-year-old is 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 very small <laughs> and very short and very light uh compared to six foot six foot three 220 pound professional player so they can maybe they're practicing on the same surface but we need to change what that surface looks like so it's it makes sense for that seven or eight year old so that's number one we have to change the way the surface looks so it doesn't so it's not overwhelming and it fits their physical capacities to learn Great. So, so after changing the surface, so, so like you said, so, so now we're using, I imagine Paul, we're using smaller spaces to recreate the same type of, the same type of uh, environment uh, that's appropriate to their size. Now, if you could speak to um, the the actual uh, work to rest ratios, the activity rates uh, as well for, for the differences in that age group. Yeah, one one tidbit on the changing the surfaces, which is a neat thing. Um, USA Hockey put out that uh, you know the, uh, roughly around the average length for an NHL to get uh, from one end to the other is about thirteen to fourteen strides. And if you go if you if you flip the rink around and go cross ice, an average for an eight year old is about thirteen to fourteen strides. So that's some of the thought process behind changing the size of the surfaces. Um, the, the, yeah, the the critical part of once you change the surfaces. You're going to go into more station-based practices. Why? Because there's more activity. So why is activity important? I think that's like before we just say, well, you got to do this, you got to do this. Activity is important because that's how people learn. They don't learn by standing still. They don't learn by me telling them what to do at that age. So if we're talking about eight and under, they aren't able at that age to retain a lot of the information I'm telling them. 
I could tell them the world about hockey and this, do this, do that. A lot of it's not being retained at that age group right now. As they go older, there'll be more to be retained. Um, and the activity level is critical because if they're standing still, not moving, that they won't be developing. Um, think about it this way as, as you're a, um, you know, anything you want to learn is how do you get better at it? You try, 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 you fail, you fail, you fail, you get up and do it again. Same thing with an eight-year-old hockey practice. If they're not moving around and trying to skate, trying to handle the puck, um, you know, shooting, stick handling, passing, playing different types of games, um, then they won't be getting better, right? So activity is critical to the doing part, right? And the famous example is um, you can sit in the back of your dad for 16 years, right? And watch him drive. And then put him in the movie behind the wheel at 16. I'm not going to drive, right? Because I actually have to try to drive the car. Same kind of going as high out of a 16 minute practice. We're looking at probably, hopefully, 50 to 55 minutes of activity for an eight and under player. Um, that's a lot of activity. That's a lot of movement. But at that age, their bodies can handle that. They can go, 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 go. So they don't need a lot of rest. So the, the worst work to rest ratio is they're, they're going all the time. As they move up in older ages, that's when the body needs more time to recover. And that's when you get into some of those two to one to three to one work to rest ratios. So it changes as they get older. Th thanks, Paul. And yeah, I think uh, just I think you had you had a great example that I think got cut off a little bit. Uh, we said kids learn by doing, right? Kids learn by doing, not by watching, not by being told what to do. You give the example of you could have a kid who dad dad mom drives drives you around, right, for for 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years. You wouldn't just put them in the driver's seat and say, okay, go drive now. You've watched me drive a lot. You've heard me talk about it a lot. You have to actually do it. You have to feel the car. You have to practice actually doing it. It's the same thing with kids. And you talked about your back to the activity rates. You said with, a, with an 8U practice, you want as close to the hour as possible of activity. So 50, 55 minutes of actual, actual movement and actual doing and practice and um, repetitions. So that comes back to understanding, right, the, the, the science of the age group, right? So, uh, that, so yeah, Paul's got the activity tracker. I'll talk about that in, in a minute here. Um, but actually understanding that, hey, those kids don't need, they don't need ret to rest in between the reps. We actually want them going the whole time. But as we've seen with the eight under practice, if you give them too much rest time, they end up just getting them disengaged or getting into trouble or whatever, right? Doing something. So we want them going with them playing and engaged the entire time and understanding that now you have older with older kids that they do need some rest to, to recover, to go full out and to be fully engaged. And so, so the practices are going to look completely different from an age group where the science tells us that they, they don't, it's one to zero rest work to rest ratio. And then as it gets up to one to one and two to one, those types of things. So um, a great thing that Paul just shared there is a, a great way to, to do this. There's a USA hockey has the activity tracker. You can get it right on the mobile coach app, or you can get it off of the website, abmkids.com. You can actually track your practice. We do this to our own practices, try, try to criticize practices and make them better and better. And what you basically do is you follow, you follow a player for the whole practice and you track their time skating, time touching a puck, um, how many repetitions they get passing and shooting, how much interaction with the coach that we just, you just talked about that, Paul, the engagement our coach is trying to uh, make a connection with every kid, um, every practice. Um, and you can actually track the efficiency of, of the practice and knowing what you're looking for. I said with those younger levels is you're looking for maximum, maximum repetitions and activities because the kids 
learn by doing, not again, by being told what to do and by watching. Um, Paul, with that, uh, maybe speaking on that too, but I also want you to talk about how that might look then if it's a practice that is focused on doing with a, not a lot of telling where, where it's focused on the kids actually doing, um, how that can actually look to people a lot of times because it's not being stopped and controlled a lot. It's a lot of just going, going, going and what that might look like and how it might be some for people who've only seen like professional hockey or whatever on TV or old you know high school sports or something like that. You might look at it and be like, "What that? This isn't hockey. Like, what is going on here?" Let, let's let's well, let's talk about coaching, right? I think that's number one. I think when we're talking about coaching, is 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 me telling kids what to do and how to do it and when to do it. That's not coaching, and I think that's our biggest misconception in culture of hockey is when they when when a parent or an organizer or anyone or a coach is seeing a coach pull a kid to the side and either yelling at him or telling him what to do. We think that you look back to the old, old John Wooden day coaches from, um, from, from sports is that those short burst interactions with the player that quick, that is coaching. We talk about that a lot is where you just interject a couple quick points, very specific. Johnny, you know, bend your knees, get lower. That's coaching. You don't stop the whole drill and 20 kids stop and stand around and listen to me yell about something that's not even related to maybe it gets one, one kid, especially on ages, if we're stopping these kids and not retaining this. So that's, I think you have to understand what real coaching is. And there's a huge exception in new sports. Is that it's, 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 it's different. If you look at these at the higher level um, sports nowadays, you see the NHL screen and you the guy and tell them what the players want to do, right? I think the argument there, people will say, well, they already know they're pros, right? But it's the approach that's important. Just like it's approach with new players is if we stop them and they stop, 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 and they're doing more stopping and not, not practicing, they're going to miss out. Does that mean we just let them go straight 60 minutes and never in, in, interject at all? No, not at all. I think that's a misconception when you don't stop everything, that's not coaching. Coaching is having the feel and the development of when to interject one to stop things, one to slow things down, one to move faster, one to keep things going, one to let people figure it out, one, one letting kids to make those mistakes, quick correction of a habit. These are all little things that take time to master. Um, and I think that's, that's a big thing that we sometimes get confused on is when to do that and how to do that. And if we, like I said, once again, if we just stop everything and we tell a big long soliloquy of what to do, um, even at the older ages, you know, we pull up the board and we draw on the hockey board for 10 minutes. It's amazing when I played, when I, when I played, when I was older and they did that, even when I was, you know, playing professional, they pulled out the board after two or three minutes, guys would be lost. And, you know, we'd go back in line for practice and guys like, you know, what you're doing? you know, what you're doing? No, no, what they're doing. Right. Just because it's just people don't learn that way as well. 
they learn by by doing it and by experiencing it. Well, yeah, we've had we have a little bit of connection issues. I just want to I want to uh, just go over that again. You talk about the short descriptive coaching, right? And, and it's easy to be, you know, that's I think sometimes people maybe don't realize that actually elite coaching is is letting some of the chaos happen, letting some of the failure and the mistakes happen, letting them do it, uh, maybe even before they're ready to to master it. And, and, and then giving them that feedback along the way, it's like, it's descriptive. So it's deep, you know, bend, deep knee bend, deep, bend, you know, bend your knees lower, lower, like that while they're doing it rather than again, stopping everyone and showing, um, you know, uh, that type of coaching all the time while it's happening, rather than always wanting it to be perfect and like having to stop everyone and be the, the star of the show. We talk about the coaches versus being the star of the show versus letting the athletes be the star of the show and giving them feedback along the way. And we've seen how much that impacts the repetitions and the activity rates and the development when you have the long lectures, right? USA Hockey talks all the time about no, no lines, no laps, no lectures, right? Because all those take dramatic amount of time out of the practice by, you know, you have an hour of ice time and you have a coach up on the board for five minutes drawing up drills and, and showing, telling them things. And if you do that every time the drill changes, like, or the game changes, you know, you're doing that 20, we see 20 minutes or so. That's like a third of the practice being taken up with just talk, telling the kids something. And we know that they're not, they're not even engaged for that entire time while they're, while they're, while they're talking. talking. Yeah. And, and that's critical, right? And that's why when you, if you're, if you're not, um, you haven't uh, dived into proper youth development when you, you know, you come as a, a parent or someone new to the sport, and you look at the look at a practice for an eight and under, it's gonna look a lot, it's gonna look foreign to you compared to a you know a high school practice or a college practice or a pro practice. And it's that's why those those tools of the activity tracker, um, the skill progression book that we based our program around uh, put out by USA Hockey, um, taking some time to dive into those if you're a newcomer um, or even someone that's been around the game a long time, right? This is stuff that I didn't know. Um, five years ago, coming from coaching junior hockey, I've had to learn this and develop it. Um, so I think understanding those, it's going to look a lot different and it's going to be, it's going to, there's going to be chaos there, right? But if you have a planned curriculum and structure and experience um, organizers, um, it's, it's really, it can be really something special. Um, and I think that's when people, once they see it and they see their, their son coming off or son or daughter coming off the ice and they're covered in sweat and they're smiling, um, you know, that's a great re reward, right? Absolutely. So I, I think, so I, um, think um, we've had some technical difficulties today. Hopefully everyone's able to get most of, of what we're uh, talking about today. I think we could probably talk about this for another 10 hours, Paul. We didn't even nearly get into the specifics yet. But I want to sum up a little bit. We're, we're a little over half hour. Uh, thanks to Rick uh, Parfitz for your, your comments, your, your supportive comments. We appreciate that. Um, so we started out with the importance of practice. Of actually, I don't think a lot, a lot of people step back and realize how much of their youth hockey season is practice. And so when you think about uh, it being, let's say, six-sevenths, if it's set up properly, six-sevenths you know, six of your entire season of what you what you considered to be most important. So we talk about the emphasis of importance of practice and actually what we want to get out of youth sports, which is them uh, fall in love with the sport and getting the most development possible. 
Um, then we talked about the actual uh, efficiencies of practice when, when we're when we're diving into specifics of practice. And we talked about, you know, number one being fun and kids wanting to come to the rink, but also when we're playing it and having an understanding of the windows of trainability, how it's different at each age group, how practices should look different and why and how important it is that the leaders design those practices, understand the science behind kids at each age group and what that what those kids need to develop uh, to the best of their abilities. We talked about the uh, the efficiency of practice from a planning standpoint and the size of the surfaces and the rest times. We talked about um, the, the applicable of the, of the skills. So we could get into more in future future shows about blocked versus random, right? Of a, about maybe just drills that look good versus drills that are actually game applicable that involve decision-making and things like that, that again, may look not so pretty at practice, but actually our, our kids are learning, kids are learning through doing. Um, and, uh, and then we talked about the, the activity tracker to be able to, to track it. And we talked about the, the coaching part of it, the engagement of the coaches with the kids and making the kids and the athletes the star of the show and not stopping things for long lectures and making the coach the focal point, but actually making the athletes the focal point and giving them feedback and guidance along the way, short descriptive nudges while they're doing to not take away and stop the practice from them learning through doing and focusing on that, that learning through doing and in a well-designed age appropriate practice. Paul, uh, that's a lot of stuff. And like I said, we didn't even go deep into to much of it or go into some of the specific age groups like we'd like to. Anything to add uh, to that summary before we wrap up? Well, I think it just shows you, right? There's a, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot that for us too that can that we can improve on. But I think there's a, there's a lot of information out there that we all need to spend time and, and, and discover and to make sure we put our youth uh, players in the right position to succeed. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Well, um, um, thanks everyone for joining us while we experiment with the new technology. We did have a few hiccups. Hopefully you heard uh, most of it okay. We should be back on with our live uh, uh, shows next week in person uh, at Riverside Ice Town. And as always, we really appreciate you watching. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know that you're watching. Uh, please share and like the video. And we'll see you back uh, on Monday at 2 o'clock for episode five of Inside the Junior Reign. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks, guys.